Welcome to Startup Confidential. What food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to Episode 49, The Not-So-Secret Weapon to Eliminating Your Competition. There's no such thing as defensible innovation in food. A jaded marketer muttered near me at a very long two-day innovation offside years ago. Look, this opinion makes total sense if you look at the average line extension from a public food or beverage company. The vast majority of legacy brand product launches are new flavors or formats, like drinkable yogurt. If brand A launches one of either, their rival can quickly establish an equivalent, potentially neutralizing any brand-to-brand market share problem. For example, look at the recent hard seltzer craze. Yet, After working for years in the early stage end of the industry, I've realized how wrong the above marketer was in absolute terms. Defensible innovation is possible in food and beverage. More importantly, I've seen how strategically effective manufacturing level insulation can be for entrepreneurial brands in their quest for scale. What do I mean by manufacturing insulation? I mean a formulation that U.S. commands cannot make at an industrial scale on their existing lines in North America, or perhaps anywhere else in the world. It's a formula that requires retooling lines, buying specialized equipment, or too many humiliating trips to European plants that are years ahead of them, or all three. Entrepreneurs who insist on their original formulation generally find themselves building their own facilities. Sometimes, these early facilities act as pilot plants that eventually convince a major command to dedicate a retooled line just to them. In other cases, these brands scale entirely on their own. I know of dozens of early-stage brands doing this right now. Self-manufacturing is probably the most brilliant insurance policy you can take out when it comes to scaling efficiently. Why? because it is the best way to eliminate direct competition for years, or even entirely. I'll admit that the advantage here ironically goes to current co-manufacturers themselves, at least to the curious Willy Wonka types among them. Speaking of candy, a great example of how this works is the story of Scott Semmel's now-famous creation, Barkthans. If you ever wondered why neither the Hershey Company nor Mars launched a similar product long, long ago, I mean, it's really just a smashed-up chocolate bar with inclusions. Come on. The answer is in the technical details. Bark Thins is a fractured, random-weight product. Candy bars, however, are geometrically uniform across almost all major brands. Breaking up the chocolate and then ensuring that the ounce weight of chocolate shards placed in each bag is identical is a mechanical engineering puzzle. Moreover, public firms rarely greenlight expensive technological retoolings of their existing plants for such an idea. Although Hershey uh, later did do this for its not-too-successful line, Cookie Layer Crunch. Why? It costs millions and millions of dollars to set up brand new lines for a big co-style mega launch. And if it doesn't work out, the political fallout is usually much worse than the financial loss incurred by the retooling. A much less well-known example of what I'm talking about is none other than Kindbar. At the time of Kind's emergence in North America in 2004, public and private bar manufacturing plants focused entirely on slab bar technology. These are bars made from ingredients mixed into a dough-like substance, extruded, pressed, baked, and cut into uniform shapes, such as granola or energy bars. 
power bar was the first, then zone, then cliff, etc. Lubetsky and his team didn't have ready access to large-scale plants that could maneuver whole ingredients without pressed extrusion into a rectangle shape on top of a chocolate layer. In fact, in his book, Dan Lubetsky reveals huge problems just producing these initial runs, including oxidizing almonds when nicked or rubbed, and other challenges. Kind was conceptually simple for consumers, yet a royal pain to commercialize. This is in part why no major U.S. bar brand had ever even tried a non-extruded bar with whole ingredients. I could share more cases of manufacturing insulation, but the more significant takeaway here is something I talk about in my book under what I call the law of formulation anchoring. It's a very advantageous principle for a new CPG brand to have a novel formula or production format or both because it creates an initial layer of defense from copycats, but also because it creates a foundation for enhanced memorability. However, if this novel formula also requires specialized manufacturing facilities not widely available, it will be tough to chase. Strategics especially will be unlikely to get involved at all, even with a lazy line extension, for sheer lack of a command to call up and push through a copycat order. Strategics will more or less wait They will more or less have to wait until you scale, if you scale, which is to your financial benefit anyways as a seller. While self-manufacturing is often assumed to be more expensive than paying command tolls, the costs of workable used equipment have come down radically in the past five years alone, according to my R&D sources. It is cheaper than ever to create a formula that you do have market control over. If you're an emerging brand that's just about to start, it's worth thinking through at length before jumping to the co-manufacturing option by default. If this is not in the cards, then you can use your contracts with comands to ensure that your proprietary ingredient formulation at the very least is not shared and is defensible in court. The way I see it, there are four layers of defensibility in CBG, and I will list them in order relative power in fending off imitators. One, the manufacturing process, which I've just been discussing. Two, the formulas. Three, the packaging container. And four, your brand identity, which has got to be the weakest. I've been talking to you about the least discussed and most potent option. Number one, the manufacturing process. Those who self-manufacture generally have something technically innovative, not just symbolically differentiated. And this is the power position in consumer packaged goods. If you use a pilot facility to scale to a couple of million dollars with your technically unique production method, it actually might just be enough to convince the right co-man to customize a line for you and reduce your costs of commercialization. I actually know a few founders who are doing this right now. But man, you need to be incredibly credible as business people to get a co-man to do this. So that's all I've got this time, folks. And remember, as always... Be safe out there. Dr. Richardson's new book, Ramping Your Brand, is available now on Amazon. Please check it out and spread the word. And don't forget also to take his founder's quiz to see if your team is ready to ride the ramp of exponential growth. You can download the quiz at rampingyourbrand.com anytime. And feel free to share your scores with Dr. Richardson anytime at james at premiumgrowthsolutions.com.